Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism, sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here, of course, we will talk to cluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here, or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a realistic way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and today I am bringing you a guest episode with Joshua Becker. If you listened about a month and a half back, I replayed an old episode that I had with Joshua Becker where we talked all about getting started with minimalism, where to start decluttering, And when I released that episode, I realized that Joshua had a new book that had just come out that was all about the intentional living side of minimalism. If you know me, you know that that is my favorite part of minimalism. So I had to bring him back on the show to talk all about his new book, Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life. Joshua is the founder and editor of Becoming Minimalist, a website dedicated to intentional living. And he's also the USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author of five books. We talk about two of the eight distractions that he approaches in this book. We're specifically talking today about the distraction of fear and the distraction of technology, which I think are two distractions that affect each and every one of us for the most part. I'm sure there are some exceptions, but I think most of us have or do struggle with both of these things at some point in our life. Joshua's books are some of the most impactful books for me in my journey to minimalism, and this one has been just as impactful, just diving deeper into looking at living an intentional life. And I know you're going to love this conversation. I hope it encourages you to overcome some of the distractions in your life that are keeping you from the things that matter. Let's dive right into my conversation with Joshua Becker. All right. Well, I am so excited to have Joshua Becker on the show today. Um, And welcome back because I've had you on before. Thank you for agreeing to come on again. Well, Thank you for having me. Most people, once is enough, and then they never have me back. So anytime I get to hear he's been on the show before, I figure that's a good sign. Absolutely. And your newest book is, it's a lot different. So that's why I wanted to have you back on. You talk about in the intro that you really enjoy the intentional living side of minimalism and find it most beneficial. And I feel the same way. So I just wanted to have you on to have um, that conversation. Well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I, you know, you spend a lot of time and effort writing a book and so uh, getting to talk about it where people can hear that it's out and it's available and it might be helpful is wonderful. So thank you. Yeah. So we're just going to dive right in because I actually just re-released our older episode together. So I'm going to direct 
everyone back there if they're not sure who you are and um, what you do. And I want to start today by talking about um, your purpose behind your newest book, Things That Matter. Uh, why did you decide to write this? So uh, what was the purpose behind that for you? Um, I think becoming minimalist has always been about more than just decluttering and uh, owning fewer possessions. I think it's always been about living a, living a more intentional life. But um, the moment, well, here's the, uh, over the course of a weekend. So I used to lead back before COVID, I used to do a weekend retreat up in Northern California. It was four talks and they had me come talk about minimalism. And I'm like, well, I can't talk about minimalism four times over the course of a weekend. Um, and so I started laying out how, how would we do this topic over the course of a weekend? And so I uh, would share my story, would talk about the decluttering physical possessions, would talk about overcoming consumerism. And then came uh, Sunday morning. And um, my point always on Sunday morning was that there are other distractions besides physical possessions that can keep us from living uh, a meaningful significant life. And so I would talk about, you know, maybe it's not the pursuit of possessions, but the pursuit of money, uh, the pursuit of fame, um, how technology has become a distraction. And that became Sunday morning, I would list out uh, a number of different, I think, just societal distractions that keep us from meaning. So sorry to take the first question and take up the whole time. But um, so I, uh, I had done that weekend retreat. Um, ended Sunday morning. Tuesday evening, I happened to attend a workshop by Charlie Gilkey here in Phoenix. He had just written a book called Start Finishing. And um, he asked this question at the beginning of the workshop. He said, I want you to close your eyes and answer this question. If you were to die today, what is the one thing you would most regret not finishing? Uh, or what is the one project you would re most regret not accomplishing? And um, a, a mom next to me talked about preparing her kids for childhood. Uh, another young lady at the table talked about an art project she wanted to finish. But for me, when he asked that question, I had just come off that retreat. And immediately I thought, I would regret not taking that Sunday morning conversation and putting it in a um, easy to read format, like taking some of those thoughts and putting them out in an organized way. They're, they're on becoming minimalist, but kind of scattered. And so that was the, that was the moment, um, that Tuesday evening workshop where I thought I would really regret not putting these thoughts down into a book. So that became things that matter. I love the fact that you said easy to read format, because it really is the way that you kind of lay out these distractions that keep us from the things that matter in our lives, keep us from doing, you know, the, the most important things and keep us from having time for the important things in our life. So you lay out eight distractions in the book. Could you just like briefly go through what those are? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> easy to read. I always, um, I, I never use big words when I write. I, I try <laughs> to be easy to read. Um, but, you know, moving from uh, like blog to book, you know, uh, my, a, a blog typically is, you know, 800 to 1200 word articles, and it could be anything on any given day that I, that I tend to write about. And so I think most of the thoughts from things that matter are 
scattered over the course of the last 13 years on the on the blog, but no one would ever go back and read read them through. And so, uh, organizing them in a in a helpful way, um, but adding new thoughts as well. And so, um, the eight distractions that I include in things that matter um, weren't all a part of that Sunday morning talk. Uh, some of them came out of conversations and a and a survey uh, survey that we did. But so anyway, the. The point of the book is how do we reach the end of our lives with minimal regret? How, how do we reach the end of our lives satisfied with how we lived? And um, the premise of the book is we accomplish that by identifying what is important, identifying what is uh, valuable for us to pursue, and then uh, removing all the distractions that keeping that keep us from living our lives focused on those things. And so uh, the eight that I mentioned in the book, the distraction of fear, the distraction of past mistakes, um, and by that I mean mistakes that we've committed or um, mistakes that someone might have committed against us. And I always say sometimes mistake isn't the right word. Sometimes it was downright evil what people have done to us, but um, so fear, uh, overcoming past mistakes, ours or someone else's, um, the selfish pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of money, uh, the pursuit of possessions, um, accolades, uh, or fame or praise, and then leisure and tech, or really I try to make the case that, um, more the distraction of the trivial, um, rather than, uh, just technology as a whole. So those are the eight that I cover in the book. Yeah, I have found most of these distractions to be, you know, very relatable to myself and my own life. Even some of them, when I looked over them, I was like, oh, maybe that one will apply to me. Maybe this one won't. But reading through them, it's just like most of them have applied either now or at some point in my life. So these eight eight distractions definitely resonate. Um, we definitely don't have time to talk to, about all of them, and that's what your book is for. <laughs> recommend it, highly recommend it for listeners to to grab it and read it. I do want to talk today about two. I figured we could focus on two of them. Something you talk about in the beginning is how when we when we talk about distraction, the first thing that might come up in our head is technology because it's so prevalent. It's the easiest one. Like It looks like a distraction if you're scrolling on your phone and someone's talking to you you're distracted, right? Mm -hmm. You're scrolling on your phone, you're supposed to be working. Clearly, you're distracted. But you talk about how distraction has been around way longer um, than technology has. And I want to focus first on a distraction that it's, it's the first distraction you approach, but um, it's one that has been around for a long time, and that's fear. So you, you talk about how it holds us back from the things that matter in our lives. Can you share a little bit of your story on that? Because it really resonated with me. And um, I think it's helpful to hear, you know, tangibly, how can fear be a distraction? The, the first two are, I, I separate them out in the book a little bit. Um, the distraction of fear and the distraction of regret or, uh, or past mistakes. Um, uh, a paralyzed will as opposed to a, a lesser good is kind of how I um, separate them separate them out and it came in one of my first conversations about the book because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said I think I got an idea for a book and here's the outline and it's all about how we can accomplish um, like good things for the world and and for other people and um, but 
when we get sidetracked on chasing all these things that don't matter, then I think that we reach the end of our lives and uh, can look back and think that we um, wasted some of it. Um, and uh, I said, what do you think? I was just kind of gathering information. I'm like, what do you think are some of the distractions that, that keep people from living their uh, living lives that they're proud of at the end? And he said, fear. And I said, fear, like that never even, never even crossed my mind. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, there's a, a lot of fear that, that we have in the world, not just the, the fear of failure, uh, although that's a big one and it shows up in a lot of different ways. And as I began researching it and learning more and more about how, how the fear of failure doesn't just keep us from starting some things, but it, you know, we, we set smaller goals for ourselves or sometimes it keeps us from trying again if we if we do fail once um but he said i you know i think people fear losing what they have um and so it it keeps them from uh taking risks and and trying new things and really like pushing themselves and seeing how much potential that they actually have inside of them um and i'm like you're right like that is a a pretty uh, it's a significant one, and I can see it in my in my own life. I, I was a pastor before doing what I'm doing now, and I can remember a lot of fear of um, taking on that first role uh, in my life, which I ended up loving and loved that career, and then transitioned into full time writing uh, eight or nine years ago, and just all the fear wrapped up in making that transition, going from a, a stable paycheck to out on my own, and yeah, you know, I just think uh, I have a good friend of mine, and I just think she, um, like, I can see in her a, a lot of potential, um, and so, like, encouraging her to, you know, I, I think you can do this. Like, like you could make a big difference if you would if you would go do this. But um, you know, just fear of taking that step and um, trying it out holds back a lot of people in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you outline different types of fear, different things, different ways fear can hold us back. Like you said, not just the fear of failure, um, fear of discomfort, which can go along with the fear of failure is one of them. And I think, you know, over the past two years, dealing with the pandemic, fear is something that I think took hold of a lot of people, even more so. And a lot of that was about becoming sick or a family member becoming sick. It also might've been about the idea of stability, stable jobs. Maybe we're no longer um, there or there, you know, now we have possible fear of rising inflation and everything. So it's something that's so prevalent that definitely distracts us. So what is your kind of advice or even just words of encouragement for someone who is listening and thinking like, yeah, fear is definitely distracting me from what I feel meant to do. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was kind of thinking about this topic and thinking about some of the other topics in the book. And um, someone once told me in one of these interviews, they said it's like each chapter of the book could be its own book. And uh, um, I was thinking each chapter in the book could almost be its own bookshelf in a in a bookstore, like how do we overcome regret and how do we overcome fear and uh, how do we overcome the distraction of, you know, technology and um, bookshelves of, of books have been written on there. Um, but what, 
I, I get to in the in this chapter is um, I always just kind of want to uh, at least not answer every question about this, but at least identify the distraction and get people at least moving uh, towards that distraction to uh, overcome it and uh, whatever work they need to do on their own to um, to do that. But for fear, it occurs to me that fear is actually a, a powerful motivator um, in our lives. Like, like, I mean, you just have to look at any political campaign and, and you can see that you can use fear to, to motivate people to, to take certain action. Uh, if you just get them to fear the thing that you want them to fear, then um, they're going to take action uh, upon it. And so what I think we need to do is we just need to change what we're afraid of. And so rather than fearing failure or fearing success or fearing giving up what we have or fearing change, like I, I think that we should fear not reaching our fullest potential. Like I, I think we should fear getting to the end of our lives and regretting that we we didn't take those chances, that we didn't take those risks. And um, when we begin to to reframe our our fear in that way, I think it can motivate us to um, uh, to make changes, or at least to start considering what changes we we can make, or what small steps we can take to to overcome uh, overcome the fear. I once had to contribute a chapter on fear to a book, and I know the the guy who asked me to contribute the chapter wanted the book to be all about how fear is stupid and how you should overcome all your fears and just go do it. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to write that. Like, I think there are healthy fears that we have in life. Like fear can motivate me to take good actions and proper actions in my life. And so uh, I just ended up writing about how I, I don't think fear is the problem, but I think the problem is when we're afraid of the wrong things um, and how it uh, impacts us as opposed to being fear of uh, being afraid of, not making the most of our lives and accomplishing the most good for the most number of people. Yeah. Thank you for that reframe because when I read that, it was really impactful to, to kind of think of it as, okay, fear is not the problem. And we might not necessarily be able to live a life with zero fears and we probably shouldn't <laughs> because that would, uh, that could lead to, you know, bad things. But if we can channel that energy in a different direction, uh, it can motivate us to do do those things that we feel led to do or the things that matter. I want to take a quick break from this episode to ask you a question. Have you ever considered podcasting? If so, keep listening. One way that fear has held me back and distracted me from doing something that matters, just like we have been talking about in this episode so far, is this podcast. Fear made me not want to start a podcast back in 2018 when I started it. I was worried what others would think and that the podcast wouldn't do well. I wouldn't see any success. I was worried that I was not a good enough speaker, not a good enough interviewer to start a podcast. If I would have let those fears hold me back, Minimalish would not be here today. And I love Minimalish. 
I love this community. This community is something that deeply matters to me. These conversations matter to me. And I hear from so many of you that the stories shared here have been really encouraging and a game changer in your life. I believe that you have a story to share too. If you have a passion and you've thought about sharing that passion via a podcast, I created a course for you to help you get started or to help you keep going if you've already started. Podcasters Roadmap is a podcasting course to help you create a podcast that deeply matters to you and your audience, a quality podcast that serves your people. It helps you create and launch your podcast well to set you up for success. Then it helps you plan and keep podcasting on a schedule. We talk about everything from naming your podcast to launching well to tech stuff to growing and marketing. If you've been letting fear hold you back from starting or continuing a podcast and you need some encouragement and a whole lot of tangible help in getting started, I'm putting Podcasters Roadmap on a huge summer sale for one week. I've helped over 50 podcasters get started or grow their podcast. And if you've been thinking about starting a podcast or growing your current one, I want to help you too. So you can head to DesireeEndries.com slash podcaster to grab that discounted price. That's DesireeEndries.com slash podcaster. All right, let's get back to the episode. The second thing, uh, the second distraction I want to talk about is technology. And one thing that, you know, we said earlier is that technology is probably the most prevalent or easy to identify distraction in our current culture. So can you talk about, you know, this distraction and, um, and how you personally overcome that distraction in your life? Because your, your job requires you to use technology, right? So how do you use it for good instead of as a, let it become a distraction? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, um, intentionality, right? We try to be intentional about using it for good, um, rather than allowing it to, to waste our time. When I, uh, when I mentioned the title of the book, uh, Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life, and someone says, oh, that's a book that I need to read, I usually assume they're thinking about their phone or social media or even television. Um, and and they're right. It is like it is. You just described it very well at the beginning, right? Like it's a distraction that we see and we can notice and the first thing we pick up in the morning and put lay down when we when we go to bed at night and so we can see it and then of course i hope they pick up the book and they're like whoa he's talking about fear and he's talking about um money and um fame and uh work and like he's talking about a lot of other different topics but um certainly technology was was going to be an issue and um the way i approach it is like technology isn't all bad. I mean, we're doing what we're doing because of technology and uh, I, I make my living because of technology. And even the idea of social media isn't bad in and of itself. Um, but it's how, we, it's how we use it or it's how we get used by it uh, is maybe just as helpful a, a way to think about it because we can use technology for good. Like we can we can create, I, I write blog posts, you host this podcast, I'm involved in social media and interacting with people and getting to meet people that I went to meet and talk to people. And so like, there's a lot of good that can come from it, um, but it, it can also um, use me as, as a tool rather than, than I just use it for good. And 
So anyway, I recommend two things in the book. You know, number one, just um, noticing creation versus consumption online, I think is, I think is helpful. I can use technology to, to create the world that, that I want to create, whether I'm writing or recording a podcast or commenting on a, on a friend or sending an email to a friend or commenting on a friend's post. Like I can, I can bring good into the world. I can create, or I can just consume, you know, endless scrolling on social media or binge watching another season of something on, on Netflix. And, um, when I'm just consuming all the time, it's really distracting me from, from the good that I could be doing in the world. And so recognizing that difference. And, um, and then I, uh, I, uh, I've done it yearly for the past, uh, three or four years, at least, um, taking some sort of, uh, like a, a technology fast. Um, the first time I did it was for 40 days um, over a Lent season. Um, then I did it for a month uh, last summer and have done it for um, a couple of weeks. But like just set a specific time, um, three weeks or a, a month, and like literally separate yourself entirely from, I would say, turn off everything. Don't watch TV for a month. Uh, don't go on Facebook for a month. Um, don't play video games for a month. Like, like just separate yourself from it entirely um, to try to re-engage it in a in a more healthy in a more healthy way. Because it it doesn't usually work when you're like, I'm just going to limit myself to 15 minutes a day. Like it it doesn't work. Um, but if you were to to cut it out entirely um, for let's say a month, you can really, I think, see what life can look like without it. Um, and it becomes easier to make that adjustment coming back into it. Yeah. I like that. You know, a lot of times an all or nothing mindset in, in a lot of areas of life doesn't work, but when it comes to technology, it's just, it draws you in so much. It becomes so addicting that it's almost like you need to go cold turkey for with it um, for a while to I think I like a lot of that came from pursuing minimalism and just the whole value in experimenting in different ways like hey what if we took the TV out of the bedroom for a month I wonder how that would change what if I wore just 33 articles of clothing for three months the project 333 experiment and like I, I did a lot of, uh, what if we could just, what if we just use two towels per person? Let's try it out for a month. Like you can try anything for a, a short period of time. And um, I just really applied that same principle to, um, to technology. What if I, let's just not watch TV for 29 days and let me see what the difference is. If I, if I hate it, then I can go back to what I was before, but usually you're, Usually you reintroduce a little bit of it, um, but not back to the extent that it was before. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, that love that. And just the idea of thinking of it as an experiment makes it a little less daunting for sure. Yeah. You also talk about a couple, like some signs that that might be something we need in our life. Because I think when we hear that and when we hear, you know, we might, we might think like, yeah, I could use, you know, a little less distraction from technology, but you know, maybe it's not so bad for me. Maybe we, we like to defend ourselves or at least, you know, rationalize it in our minds of, I need it for this. And, you know, how could I go a whole month without it? So what are some signs that we can tangibly look at and say, okay, yeah, maybe I should do this? Yeah, I, I, list, uh, I list five of them in the book, um, but a, a couple that come to mind. And I, I learned this from uh, someone that I interviewed for the book, but the, the urge to 
to constantly check, like the the urge to pick up your phone, uh, the urge to open up Facebook again, even though you're just there, the urge to open up the news website that you were just on, the urge to check email again, or your blog or podcast stats. Like if it's, if that urge is there constantly, um, that's a pretty good sign that it's becoming a, a pretty unhealthy uh, attachment. If, uh, if, you, if you spend more time than you thought you were going to, um, whether it be, hey, I'm just going to sit down and watch you know, a half hour show and then go to bed and suddenly it's an hour and a half and you're starting another, another thing or you, you open up your phone to, you know, uh, check something on Facebook and 15 minutes later you're still scrolling or you open up TikTok and 20 minutes later you're just mindlessly scrolling. If, you, if you're spending more time than you had planned on social media or on technology, um, video games would fit that bill as well, then uh, it's probably a good sign that it's becoming a bit much. Um, this one's a little tougher to, to notice, but if you feel dissatisfied after using technology, um, then I think that's a good sign that it's becoming uh, a distraction for you. And, and that can be tough to notice um, unless you're pretty in tune with how it affects you. Um, but usually if you like separate yourself from it for a while, and then you come back to it, you can, you can notice yourself, but like, I can, I can get into, like, I know for me, I can get onto like news websites and I can spend more time than I thought I was going to reading stuff. And at the end of it, like just being upset, like mad at someone, mad at something, someone that I don't even know and what they said or what they wrote or a, a opinion that they had. And like, that's just not healthy. Uh, getting news can be healthy, but the point that's come to my life is it's become a distraction and it's, it's keeping me from, from other things. So those are uh, probably the three that come to my mind uh, right away. Yeah. And I think so many of us can I know I can relate to those. <laughs> Thank you for that. Unfortunately, just like you said, technology can be a good thing, but unfortunately there are addicting patterns to it. So probably most of us can, can relate to those in some way. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm enjoying the book so much and I highly, highly recommend it to anyone listening. Before we get into the two questions that I ask every guest, where can listeners find you? Where can they find the book? Yeah, thanks. Uh, the book is called Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life. Uh, my home base online is becomingminimalist.com. And I, I would say people who, uh, people who know me, uh, people who uh, know Becoming Minimalist, uh, people who have uh, appreciated it um, will particularly enjoy the book because I think it, um, if they know me and they know a little bit about what I write about and um, and how I write, then I, I think they resonate with the book um, for sure. Um, I'm excited. There's been a lot more of people that I've never met want to uh, talk to me about the book, uh, like with just different podcasts or, or different things. Like people who wouldn't have me on to talk about minimalism are, are interested in, in talking about some of the topics in this book. And so um, certainly people who have never listened to me or heard me before are enjoying the book, but um, usually people who are uh, familiar with, with me online are really appreciating how I kind of take minimalism beyond uh, physical possessions in, in this particular book. 
Yeah, I I think it's interesting that, you know, these topics are ones that can be, I mean, they just apply to life in general. But uh, when we first think of minimalism, a lot of people are just thinking like about our stuff, but it goes so much deeper. And I fully appreciate that you uh, approach those those deeper things in the book for sure. So I have two questions that I ask every guest before we go. Um, the first one, it's funny, you know, the people I talk to often we're talking about intentional living in some way. And this conversation has fully been about uh, intentional living because that's, that's really what the book's about. But what is one thing um, and one way you choose intention in your everyday life? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I hope that I have a, I hope that I have a set of values that, that kind of guide what I do. Um, but on a, on a more practical level, Man, years ago, I uh, someone shared with me the idea of a three-item to-do list, and uh, I, uh, ever since then, it's it's been a pretty um, important part of my day. And the idea is, at the start of the day, I just write down the typically at work, uh, I write down the three things that I want to accomplish that day, um, and those are the the three priorities. Those are the three main things that I do. And if I finish those, then I'm able to to do more. But uh, I think it's always helpful to to keep me grounded and less distracted, knowing that I have those three things that I want to do. Yeah, that's great. Less less overwhelming, right? And the brilliance of it is that you can feel accomplished at the end of the day. Like that's what I always liked about it. I I could have a a 20 item to do list and it's just forever running and I cross off some things and add new things. And at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh man, I have so much to do tomorrow or I didn't accomplish enough things on my, on my to do list, but to being able to say, okay, a successful day looks like these three things that I finish. Um, I, I think I'm able to get to the end of the day and, feel a little more proud of what I did when I uh, accomplished those. My second question is kind of a for fun question. What is something that you're loving right now? Well, the smallest thing that came to mind was that my daughter had honey chipotle shrimp tacos at a restaurant uh, like a couple months ago, and she (laughs) just loved them. And I said, well, let's figure out how to make them at home. And so we've... She's had that meal several times over the past couple of months. And so anyway, it's fun one to fun one to make. So that's like the, the small thing that came to my mind. Um, uh, a month and a half ago, no, less than a month ago, she got her driver's license. And so both my kids are, are driving now. So uh, that's kind of different. But honestly, what I'm most appreciating is um, I wrote the book. Uh, it came out in the middle of April and uh, just kind of coming out of what felt like a pretty busy season, not just of writing it, but promoting it and um, uh, a lot of stuff around the book coming out. And uh, we're going to do a tour in July, but I feel like a little more space in my schedule um, just starting this week, as a matter of fact. So I've been enjoying that. How's that? A lot of answers to that one. (laughs) That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show again. Um, I am excited to share this conversation with listeners and, and thank you for your book. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I really do hope that you go out and grab Joshua's book. I really loved reading through his insight on all of these eight distractions that can keep us from a meaningful life and keep us from the things that matter to us. Of course, one of those distractions is our stuff. So if you are new to minimalism, this book really does dive into the deeper side of it, but it also talks about our stuff and decluttering as well. I like to end each episode, especially guest episodes, with a challenge. Take it or leave it. It's just a way that I like to give us an application point for the episode if we're looking for one. So today, I challenge you to take one of these two distractions, whichever one applies to you most, and look at your life and how this distraction is keeping you from what matters. And maybe journal it out a bit, really reflect on it. Maybe fear has been holding you back from something you're passionate about, a creative endeavor you want to take on, or maybe it's been holding you back from taking some kind of leap in your life, whether it's career-related or family-related in some way. Identify the fear and reframe it, just as Joshua said. How can you use fear to your advantage in this situation? Maybe decide to fear what it would look like if you didn't take that leap or you didn't follow that passion of yours. Whatever that fear looks like, reframe it to the opposite side so that you can motivate yourself towards the things that matter to you. Or maybe it's technology that applies to you the most in this episode today. Simply put, if technology is a distraction in your life right now and it feels like it is really taking away from the things that matter to you, I highly recommend some kind of technology detox, whether it's just a week, couple weeks, a month. Take some time off the apps that rope you in the most or fully off your phone in general to kind of reset your priorities and where you're giving your time. I think we could all use that from time to time. I know my family and I are planning and considering how we can build tech detoxes into our year on a regular basis. And if you did enjoy this episode, if it encouraged you in some way, I would be so grateful if you shared it. You can share it with a friend. You could just text it to a friend. You can share it on Instagram, whatever social media platform you spend time on unless you're taking that tech detox, of course, which in that case, I am cheering you on. Sharing the show is always a great way to support the show, and I am so grateful for you when you do. Another great way to support the show, if you want to, and if you have a few minutes, if you're loving the show, you can just give it a quick rating and review. That goes a long way in helping more eyes and ears get on the show. So thank you for helping me invite new people into this community. All right, friend, that is all for today's episode, and I will talk to you right back here again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.